This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Hey, so Becca, I am so excited to have you on the podcast and to hear your story. You obviously sent it to me in an email and I got to read over it and it's awesome. And I'm excited to have you on because obviously you're younger and you have a fresh perspective on, you know, what it's like to be a younger person. Um, it that's, you know, going through a faith crisis and coming back and I love it. Um, so yeah, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and just, you know, how old you are, where you live, those kind of things. And then we'll jump into your story. Cool. Um, yeah, so I am almost 18 years old. I turn 18 in a few uh, weeks. Currently, I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I grew up in Germany, however. And when I was around 13, I moved to the U.S. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so tell me about Germany. I mean, did your, yeah, why were you guys living there? Like, tell me about more about that. Yeah, so my dad had started a translation company where he translates like IP addresses or something. Um, and he wanted to bra- uh, broaden his company to uh, Europe. Um, and so when I was, I think, like five months old, my whole family decided to move there. Both my parents grew up in the U.S. My dad grew up in Nebraska and my mom grew up in Provo, Utah. So we moved there when I was around five months old and we just fell in love with it and we didn't want to move back. So we, I kind of just grew up there. I love Germany. Growing up there was so amazing. It, it kind of helped me gain a w- way more wor- worldly perspective than like I think I would have had if I would have just grown up in Utah, especially with the church, because I feel like that was also something that kind of triggered my faith journey, kind of like leaving the church was kind of one of the reasons was that the church here seemed so different than I was used to in Germany. Awesome. Okay, well, let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's hear your story. Cool. Um. Yeah. So like I said before, growing up, my whole family was very faithful. We all always went to church. My grandma, grandpa, all of them, my whole family has basically always been in the church. In Germany, like I said, I really, really enjoyed how the church was there because it didn't seem as, I don't know, there's just like the way that the churches in Utah specifically is so different than it is other in other places. And it was just so it was kind of hard for me to kind of transition into the church being everywhere because in Utah, like everyone knows about it. And in Germany, it seemed way more like just my personal thing. And people didn't really seem to care as much because, and they respected my views, you know, and my values. So growing up, I never really had any issues with the church. I loved going to church. It was one of my favorite things about my life. And so when I was around... 13, I believe, because right before we had decided to move to the US, my mom got diagnosed with leukemia like two weeks before we had our flights booked. So that like threw my whole life upside down because we had planned on all moving as a family. But because my mom, my mom had cancer, she wasn't able to because she had to start treatment. So I and my sister eventually decided to move out before my the rest of my family because we wanted to start high school 
and we just wanted it just made the most sense so we had moved out and i stayed with my um aunt and uncle for a few months i remember the, the last time i had said goodbye to her like before i moved i remember my dad and like the doctor saying that i should say goodbye because it was probably she wasn't gonna you know make it probably so that was hard to you know move to the us all alone with my mom basically dying there was like a lot of stuff that just was not going well but um all of us were praying for her to get better you know i mean that's what you always do but so she had said that there was like the switch in her mindset and she had realized that she should try to follow what god wants and not like what she wants and so she kind of somehow i don't know how exactly but she kind of just switched her mindset into being okay with dying and being okay if that's god's plan like she had so much trust in god that if it's her time to go that she was okay with it and then instantly after that she immediately started getting better and the doctors couldn't like they didn't have any reasoning for why the cancer was going away because that doesn't really happen she got better and then that my that this was my freshman year and then that winter she and the rest of my family moved out when i was going to church here it was very different because i just didn't enjoy my ward as much as i did in germany i felt like it wasn't as personal i don't know it was just it was a hard adjustment when my parents all moved out we had found a house um up immigration canyon where i live still um still now um and we started going to that ward the ward i'm still in is probably one of the best wards i've ever been in just because it seems we're so accepting it's it seems it reminds me so much of how the church was in germany so i had met my best friend through young woman she just um was so grateful to have me in the ward and she she's amazing i'll, I'll probably talk about her a lot but so um i had never really doubted the church until my second to oldest brother started leaving and then after he had left two of my other siblings also decided to leave for different reasons and so at this point i had known that i was bisexual and so that was something i had not struggled with but i just didn't agree with the church's stance on it because i felt like i couldn't be my full self in the church you know so when did you feel like you knew that you were bisexual and like what you know when when what did that happen and what was yeah. that like like for you to come to that realization that you know this is who you are yeah so I think it was my freshman year um I had gone to a catholic school I then transferred because it wasn't the best fit for me but so i had gone to this like pretty strict catholic school and i remember um having some friends that had told me that they were gay or i think bisexual as well and i was like oh i might be bisexual and then it kind of it was very gradual and i'm not sure where it really started but um i just remember kind of i would i went to my brother about it first because he um is also bisexual and he had he i didn't know that back then but he literally told me he was like oh i know like it was obvious i was like wait what <laughs> but um so that was kind of a shock to hear that from him that like he knew it before i did so probably freshman year it was hard at first because i felt like could i i always felt like people were trying to push me to 
only date men. And especially when I told my mom, she was like, oh, that's that's great because you can still date men, which like it makes sense because she was in the church and in the church. That's a big thing is to ha- be married and in the temple and have a family and stuff. But I think that was kind of hard because I felt like that was a part of me that I didn't want to let go of. And I didn't want to just erase that. And I felt like that's what was happening. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So three out of my, I have five siblings, three out of my five siblings had decided to leave the church. And I, I don't want to say that they had influenced me at all to leave, but that kind of was the first time I had even thought of that as an option because growing up it was no one like ever really left I remember kind of just being very conflicted because I still and I kind of just stopped scripture study and praying and like uh, feeding that relationship with God Um, and I remember there's also a ton of pressure I felt like on me from my parents to kind of stay in the church because the young I'm the youngest and they kind of felt like if I also leave I don't know. It was just, I felt like there's so much pressure to stay in the church. And so I honestly, I kind of don't remember exactly what made that switch. But I remember just one day just thinking, I don't believe in this anymore. Like, why am I doing this? And I didn't have a strong testimony anymore. It wasn't like it was me wanting to, you know, leave to be rebellious. It was more just I didn't have a testimony anymore. I had talked to all of my siblings that had left the church about how I felt um, because that was easy because they supported me on that. Um, And then I remember talking to my sister and her husband who are both in the church. So about it. And I remember just like crying to them being like, this is so scary. I don't know how to tell mom and dad, blah, 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 blah. And they were so accepting. They're like, I mean, if this is what you think will make you happy, we totally will accept you. And like, you know, and so that was super cool to have that kind of like, I felt nothing but love from them. And then I had to tell my parents that I was going to leave. I didn't want to do in person because I wanted to do it through a letter because I knew that I could formulate my thoughts better. Um, and I didn't want them to say anything that they would later regret, you know. So I had written them this letter where I basically explained how I still believed in God and that I've never not believed in God. And so in the letter, I had told them how I still believed in God and that I basically said they should have faith in the church that if this is the true church and I willingly try to find the truth, I will come back to it. I Whoa, I'm going to read it really quick. <laughs> Yeah. You said, I believe that there is a God who loves me and who supports me just the way I am. I don't necessarily believe in the God you guys do, but I believe that there is something out there who created this universe, who cares for me and who wants me to be happy. If this is really the true church, then God will understand where I'm coming from and why I chose to leave the church. And you should have faith in the church and in God that I will find my way to the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and so it was interesting because I kind of had said that back then. I did believe it, but I had more kind of just said that to them to not have them worry as much. I never thought that I would have come back to the church. Like that was, I was so far gone that I hated the church. Like for a week. Did you feel like, was there anything like online that was kind of like fueling your hatred for the church? Like I know that TikTok is like a cesspool. For you. So I'm just curious if that like played a role in it or 
Yeah, kind of. I would say that did, of course, but I think more it was having that, not support, but like having three out of my five siblings also out of the church. I feel like I talked to them a lot about the church. And of course, there's a lot online as well, especially with like history, church history, and just stupid stuff like that. And it's really interesting because a lot of my testimony when I started kind of doubting my testimony, a lot of it was fueled by like church history stuff that I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like why does blah, 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 blah. And so I feel like coming back after that has been kind of hard because I still don't have all the answers to it, but like I have trust in God that he knows what, you know, what really happened. And I feel like it's so easy to skew things and to make people seem like so such bad people when in reality, they probably were just normal people that made mistakes as well. Um, and I feel like a lot of times we forget that prophets are human and that they will make mistakes. It's not like they have an angel that comes down every single time they should give new revelation or something. Like they also have to go through the same ways we do to seek personal revelation. And I feel like that's probably really hard for them to know exactly what God wants them to do. And so I feel like that's really helped me is to remember that the church, the church, how it is right now, isn't going to be the perfect gospel. Like we have most of the truth that we need, but there's going to be parts that's going to be changing for our time. And like, there's just parts that we just don't know right now because we don't need them in our day and age. So you're out, you're out of the church. You just told Mm -hmm. your siblings you're, and they're like, you know, saying, you know, we love you and accept you for where you're at. And then what happened after that? So my friend, I was talking about her name, Sabrina during this, she never failed to show me unconditional love and support. She was happy that I was figuring this out. And we, we never grew apart because of this. I know that it was probably really hard for her because we don't have a ton of young women in our ward. And so we we're one of like the only people we really talk to at church. I don't know. Um, so it, it definitely was hard, but she never judged my decisions. And th- I think that was a big reason for coming back was I never felt like her love towards me had changed because of my views. And that was something I was so scared of when I was leaving. That was that people would look at me differently and like, I don't know, treat me differently. This was like December, 2020, that's when I finally had written the letter to my parents and finally told them I wasn't gonna come to church anymore. And so I stopped going to church like instantly, like I stopped everything. After that, I was very happy with where I was spiritually. And I think that's one of the reasons why it took me so much longer to come back was because I I wasn't missing anything. It kind of felt like I didn't need the church anymore. And so um, I just kind of completely cut ties to the church and I was okay with it. So after that, I had stopped coming completely. And then this summer, so in like June of 2022, my friend's mom, so Sabrina's mom is the young woman's or was the young woman's president um, at the time. And so she had called me and she was like, hey, do you want to come on a um, youth activity trip thingy. And I was like, sure, what dates? Because I didn't have a good excuse to say no. And I didn't want to just be like, no, I don't want to come. Plus, it seemed fun because we were going to go river rafting. And I love camping and river rafting. I had decided to go to it. And I was like, really, really nervous to go because I had such a worry that people would judge me for only going to, you know, this fun activity and not like any 
other activities. I just had so much anxiety about seeing people in the ward that I kind of haven't seen in a while and probably were, I don't know. So going in, I was really scared to, you know, be there, but I get there. And after the first day, there's so many people that I felt like genuinely cared about me as a person and made me feel so welcomed, not in the way that like, it seemed like they were wanting me to come back to church, but more just because they liked me and they wanted me there, which was so refreshing because I had such big anxiety about the fact that they would, I don't know, judge me and like want me to come back to church that like feeling that unconditional love from so many people was kind of insane. The first day I remember I kind of didn't, I don't know, it just was so kind of awkward, but I, I remember the second day we had gone on a river rafting trip and the whole theme of the camp was um, stay in the boat basically and it was kind of hard because I was like I'm literally not in the boat right now and I felt like that was something I was also kind of worried about because the whole theme was don't go astray like stay in the boat and I was like I'm right here I am astray but no one ever like looked at me different like no one ever was like you're not in the boat like it didn't seem like that at all um and so then that night we had a fireside where we basically could just go around in a circle and anyone who wanted to share anything could and so most people were saying stuff and I felt like I kind of should because I don't know it just I felt weird not saying anything but I had like I didn't know what to say because at this point I still didn't like believe in the church but I just felt such a I felt so happy this whole trip. Like I genuinely, I don't think I've ever been that happy in a while. And it was so refreshing, but also it really was mind boggling that like I could feel the spirit in that way. And so during this fireside, when it got to me, I kind of just like poured out my soul, kind of just thanking everyone for being so accepting and understanding. That was the first time I think I've really felt the spirit since leaving and it was just so strong that I literally could not go to sleep that night that night after the fireside was over I had again so many people just come up to me and be like oh we're so glad you're here like no pressure you don't need to go to church we like it just seemed so genuine that they wanted me there that night I had talked to Sabrina my friend kind of about like what I was feeling and then we had like a two-hour conversation about like the church and just like life and there's stuff that I had told her that I thought I couldn't have beforehand because I just I don't know it was just like such a, an amazing experience and I was telling her like how I felt the Holy Ghost and I knew that it was the Holy Ghost but that I was still very conflicted because I didn't want it to be true I didn't want to have not have to but I didn't want to go back to church and she, she, I, all I can remember is that she basically said that it's okay to not fully be in the church right now. It's okay to like not know everything. Um, and she kind of just, again, showed me so much unconditional love and acceptance. And she, I don't know, it was just so cool to see that even though she knew how I felt, she wasn't going to pressure me either way. Then that night I prayed for the first time I had like probably prayed in two and a half years. Um, and I was like, okay, God, if you're really there, I really need a sign. Like, I can't just go back to church with no 
real reasoning because at this point I still was there's so many unanswered questions I had and there's so much that I still just didn't understand and then I was like I, I need like a very distinct sign like it can't just be like you know something the next day this was our last day of the trip they had gone to the temple and I had stayed back with a few other girls that didn't have a recommend because obviously I didn't have a te- temple recommend back then and I was kind of scared that people would also you know kind of judge me for not having a temple recommend but during the time that they were going to the temple I had talked to one of our young women's leaders um for like a few hours and we just instantly bonded and she is the most amazing person ever ever she and Sabrina both just showed me so much unconditional love and she wanted to get to know me for me and not just so that I would come back to church like I've said multiple times so we had talked, we just shared our experiences. And I kind of told her how I felt with all of this. That night, we were kind of packing up and we had our last like dinner together. Our bishop had told us that he had like he wanted to bear his testimony and kind of, you know, just talk. He then had given all of us books. So he was talking about how he was so glad that all of us were there. He had told us that he knows how hard it is to be a member in this day and age and how like a lot of things don't really make sense. And then he handed all of us a book and it's called When It Doesn't Make Sense by John, by the way. And instantly when I saw that name, I was like, oh, that that's the book I need. It was so cool to see that that was exactly the sign I needed. I instantly like felt the spirit so strongly. And I was like, I need to read this book like now. Like I need to know what's in this. Like if this can help me in any way, I want to you know, read it. So on the ride home, it was like, I don't know how long the ride was, but I basically didn't talk to anyone. And I just read this whole book completely through. And it like changed my life like this. I love this book. I think that anyone who has any doubts or just anyone in general should read this book because it the way that he writes it was so simply put, but it was things that I just didn't seem to even think about like it just made so much sense that book literally changed my life and after I had come home from the trip I could not stop thinking about it like for the next few days or weeks even all I could think about is how good I felt on this trip and deep down I knew that it was the Holy Ghost but I didn't want to you know I didn't want that to be true because that meant that I should probably, you know, go back to church. It was so strong and I could not really do anything else for the next few days just because I had such a, like, I had such strong emotions about this. One of the biggest things that I had, you know, still struggled with was um, LGBTQ and like the church. I kind of had this realization that it's okay for me to still have my own beliefs and still be in the church it was so interesting to see that even if you're in the church you can have your own like beliefs I don't know because like growing up it always felt like you had to believe everything and there's stuff that I think that you should if you're in the church you should agree with does that make any sense um in the book faith is not blind it talks about how there are things different councils and obviously Mm -hmm. you know We know where the church stands on that, Mm -hmm. but you know, we also know that everybody who, whether they struggle with, you know, no matter what they struggle with, like Mm -hmm. there's all 
kinds of things under the sun. But the number one thing that I've heard you say mm -hmm. is that the church is a place for everybody. Mm -hmm. Even if you have questions about things, even if you don't understand everything, even if it's for everybody and it's a place where, you know, we need to love everybody no matter what is going on in their life. And mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what your past is or where, what your present is or whatever, <laughs> like everybody's welcome and yeah. everybody, you know, belongs. Exactly. And that's something I love about my ward is so we a while back I had someone who openly came out as gay on the pulpit and I feel like that just doesn't really happen in many Utah wards um, and it was so cool to see how much um, they had helped like me understand that I can still be in the church even if I'm bi and even if I have all these questions because I don't remember exactly what they said but I can just all I remember is that they had expressed how much they felt God's love for them. And it was just so cool to see how my ward had accepted them um, and still accepts them. So that's something I think that more people, I know that like the church has gotten way better with acceptance and stuff, but that's something that I really did struggle with for a while because I felt like there's a lot of other people in my life who were part of the church that didn't accept me being by as much as my ward did. So I think I totally agree. Everyone belongs, even if you don't necessarily believe the exact same thing that the church does. Like if you want to go to church services and you want to grow closer to God, like you belong. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. <laughs> totally makes sense. So you said that, you know, when you left the church, you said you mm -hmm. felt you were happy. You were like content contrast from when you were out to how you felt after that trip, it seems like there's a huge contrast there. So oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, like you said, you felt good and all was well, but then, you know. Yeah. So what had happened was I feel like I kind of forgot how much joy the, the Holy Ghost and the church can bring us. And of course I was still happy. I still really loved my life, but I feel like, you know, I, you probably have had the same type of spiritual experiences that you just can't I don't know. It just is so hard after having one of those super strong experiences to, I don't know, to going back to like not having those at all. And so mm -hmm. after I had that one experience, I was like, I want this more often. I want to do whatever I can to feel this way more often because I had legitimately felt so joyful. Like it wasn't only just like the happiness of being around people that I love. It was more just, I felt like that's where I belonged. And I felt like that's where God wanted me. That's ultimately what I felt. And so like a feeling of coming home. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and so after that, I had kind of for a while, I kind of not forgot about the church, but I went to church a few times, but I just kind of stopped going just because I wasn't feeling that as much. But then my friend Sabrina reached out to me and she was like, hey, would you ever want to do like scripture study together or talk about the church sometime? And I was like, uh, honestly, yeah, because I've kind of, I didn't want to reach out to her to be kind of a burden, but she had also felt that told me later that that was kind of hard for her to do because she didn't want to overstep her boundaries, you know? So she had reached out to me and wanted to start like a small scripture study group. And I was like, Hey, can we 
have some other people join as well. And so we had like, I think it was five of us um, who we'd FaceTime every night, or not every night, every Sunday at like seven or 8 p.m. And we just talk about our spirituality and like just stuff concerning the church and just I remember the first time we had ever done this it kind of started out kind of slow because a lot a lot of us were like what are we doing like what do we talk about we a lot of us opened up so much in ways that we didn't know we could and it felt like such a safe space to talk about our struggles and stuff that we had been struggling with I felt this spirit so strongly when I was doing these um FaceTimes that I knew that I had to make a decision and that I did want to go back to church. Those weekly FaceTimes really helped just to keep fueling my testimony and stuff. And so something that I struggled with when I was outside of the church was I used to vape for a bit. I I just, I don't know, I was being the rebellious teenager, you know, um, and I started like vaping like I don't know when it was it wasn't for super long it was just a few months um but I remember talking to one of my cousins about like something and then they're just like oh I hate when people vape like that's the stupidest thing someone could ever do and I was like yeah definitely and I just felt so disgusted with myself at that point and at this point I was still outside of the church but I just knew that I wanted to stop to stop vaping because a my parents didn't know about it and I was sneaking behind their backs doing this in their house. I didn't tell them. Um, and I well, didn't want to like, out now, Becca. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hi, hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> that night I had read this book about how to stop smoking. And it was like just a small comic or something. And then after that, I was so disgusted with me vaping. I was like, why am I doing this? Like I, I couldn't even see myself in what I was doing because it was so against like all of my beliefs growing up and you know everything um that I literally just threw out my vape and I never looked back because I was like I'm not gonna ever go back looking back God helped me in so many ways with that with overcoming that addiction back then I didn't think so because I didn't really believe in God in that way but now looking back there's a lot of times where he gave me the strength to not you know, go back to vaping. And so I was telling my friends this, and this was kind of the first time I had really told people because it was a part of me that I was really ashamed of. And I thought that they would see me differently, but of course they didn't. Having that support system of people in the church really, really helped. And then after that, we had general conference. And so me and my friend, Sabrina, we got two tickets to do two different sessions to go see general conference in person. One of the sessions we had gone to, it was when Elder Uchtdorf talked about the new For the Strength of Youth pamphlet. And so being in that room while he had announced these changes was like astronomical for me because that was something I also had kind of struggled with was the For the Strength of Youth pamphlet because I didn't like how black and white it was. And I felt like I wanted more choice in stuff. I don't know. It just felt very like a checklist. Like it felt like I just had to do all these stuff and I didn't love that. And so hearing him announce that was so cool. The spirit was so strong and literally like everyone was so quiet when he had announced this. And then I just have had like other spiritual experiences after that that just is really strengthened my testimony. That's so awesome. Um, 
It's funny when you were saying that about quitting vaping, I, back mm -hmm. in my day, I know mm -hmm. I'm kind of old, <laughs> <laughs> ever like the cool thing wasn't vaping. It was smoking cigarettes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. when I quit smoking cigarettes, I had a similar experience where I was like, mm -hmm. I can't believe I just did that. I cannot believe I quit smoking cigarettes. Like I had been smoking cigarettes since I was 15 years old mm -hmm. and yeah. You know, and then I was 23 when I was quitting and cause I was getting my temple recommend and it was like, I had such a similar experience that you had where I was like, I'm going to be this new person and mm -hmm. that doesn't fit with this new person that I am. It's like, and the only way it can be described is like the enabling power of the savior's atonement to oh. be able to give you the power to do those things that are so hard. Mm -hmm. And and like, it's just so hard to be able to describe that to somebody because yeah. it's so addictive to keep doing it. And it's like, you're so used to doing it. And then to be able to quit is, is so awesome. It was such a freeing moment because I hated that. I, I was, I was that stereotypical teenager that would vape in the bathrooms because I couldn't make it a full day in school without vaping. And I just hated how much it influenced my life and had it had so much control over me and so quitting it has helped me so much to grow and like to I know so exactly what you're yeah. saying to know that you have the confidence in yourself to give up something that's so challenging and yeah. to rely on the Lord for help and giving that up is mm -hmm. it's a really incredible thing to experience that that power of the saviors yeah. <laughs> something that I usually don't tell people about like the reason I leave the church was when I was I think 13 I was on this one youth trip and there was this older man who was I think a chaperone or someone I don't even remember who he was so he had basically groomed me for the whole week that I was there and I didn't realize it at the time but there was a lot of stuff that he did that now looking back I'm like that wasn't okay you know I kind of just like didn't even process that for like a long time because obviously no 13 year old like could really process that and for a while I felt like it was my fault because if it was my fault then I could change my behavior and make it stop you know I don't know it made, gave me more power in this very powerless situation that I felt like I was in and so for a while I kind of just like didn't tell anyone and I finally had told my parents like years afterwards and they immediately went to the stake president because they wanted to see what had happened to him or like if anything happened to this man and then they had talked to the stake president and apparently that I wasn't the only one he was doing this to he has a lot of grandchildren that he has done the same to and I was actually friends with one of his grandchildren and we were talking about it and so apparently the stake president knew about it and he had talked to him but in my mind there was no repercussions he didn't he was still attending church services nothing in my mind like really happened I could be totally wrong because I at this point had moved I wasn't in the stake anymore but I just kind of had a lot of anger towards of course him but also towards my stake as a whole because I and my stake president because I felt like I didn't get the justice I deserved, you know, <laughs> because he, my state president had told me that I could go to the police about it. But I mean, this was like when I was 16. So it was, or maybe 15, but it was like two years after it had happened. And I didn't have any evidence. I had no proof. I had nothing really that could have really helped in court. And that would have meant I would have had to relive it all and like go back to Germany. So I just didn't want to do that. But I was still kind of 
angry that nothing had happened church-wise. That he, so that was something I think that really influenced me also leaving because I felt a lot of hatred towards the church as a whole for letting this happen, um, especially because it was at church. It was at a church activity. It was like, it was like a temple trip we had. I feel like a, a lot of my anger towards the church was because of that. I just don't really talk about it as much because I had finally got the courage to talk to my bishop about my past because so a while back in like October, I had gone to him to get a temple recommend, but I really didn't tell him about anything that I was doing like vaping back when I wasn't in the church because I felt like I had repented enough that I didn't have to tell him. And I was over that part of my life. And I was so changed as a person that I felt like I didn't really need to. But as months kind of went by, I kind of felt like still kind of this guilt of not fully being repented. And so I was like, this is stupid. I want to be fully repented. I'm going to talk to my bishop about this, even though theoretically, I felt like I was, you know, worthy to go to the temple and stuff. I just wanted to let it all out just so I didn't have to worry about it anymore. So two weeks ago, I talked to him about like how I felt guilty that I used to vape and I drank alcohol a few times, like did marijuana a few times, you know, like normal stuff that a rebellious teenager would. But like, I just felt I still had so much guilt for that because I knew that it wasn't part of God's plan mm -hmm. for me. It was so cool to see how he basically just told me that if I have repented, then God doesn't care and that I should forgive myself for being that person because he could see how I have changed as a person. Like I've totally changed mm -hmm. since then. He, it was kind of more of a fact of me like forgiving myself, you know? And so after I told him that, I also told him about the older guy who had groomed me in Germany and how I felt like I couldn't forgive him. Even after all these years, I still felt so guilty because that was that's something that the church is very big on is forgiving others, you know? And so I had told him how I just did not feel like I could ever forgive him for what he did to me. And I didn't know how I wanted him to react or like how I thought he was going to react. But he basically at this point was, he wasn't crying, but he was tearing up hearing what had happened to me, which was, I hate saying, oh, I love that he was crying about me. But like, it was kind of, like it was so freeing to see how much he cared about me that it hurt him to see that happen to me. So I remember him saying, I mean, if that's what would have happened to one of my kids, I don't think I could have forgiven him either very easily. And I was like, oh, wait, so me not forgiving him, that's like, okay. Like it's understandable because I felt like for so long, I just wanted to forgive him so badly, but I just couldn't because I was repressing all of this. So hearing that from a bishop, that it's okay, that I haven't to totally forgiven him and that it takes time and that I should not like not beat myself up for that is was so freeing. And it was so cool to see how someone in the church, that wasn't how the whole church was. Cause like in Germany, I felt like the way my stake president went about things was not the way that I felt like I was getting the most, I don't know, like justice out of it, but seeing how much it had hurt my bishop here, even though he didn't know exactly what had happened and seeing how much he cared about me. And I, it just was so freeing to feel like I finally could tell someone. And and I've, to, I've told my parents and other people, but that was the first time I had told someone in the church. I had 
finally realized that it wasn't the whole church. It was just a stupid man who did that. It wasn't the church's fault. Like, it's not like that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of the episode we just released yesterday. Mm -hmm. One of the comments that he made and he left and came back um, and he was very anti for a while, but he said that Mm -hmm. a lot of times when people leave, it's because something happens from somebody in the church. And then that individual can't like separate the fact that it was, you know, they, they take it as the church hurt them instead of an individual hurt them. Definitely. Um, That's exactly how I felt. And then hearing that from a bishop was so freeing because I was like, oh no, there's good people in the church. Like it's not, it wasn't the church's fault. Sounds like you have a really awesome bishop. Yeah. He's amazing. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) My whole ward is. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. So what advice would you have for somebody that is a teenager and they're struggling with vaping, they're struggling with their testimony? What advice would you have for them? First thing I would say is be open to other people's, to other opinions, because that was something I had struggled with a lot was that I was like, this church is either true or it's not. And I never felt like there could be any gray area that like, even though it's true there, this can still happen or this, like you, you can still feel hurt by someone in the church, you know? So I felt like the way I saw the church was so black and white that either everything is completely like perfect or it's just wrong, you know? And so that's something I think I've learned is just kind of be open to other possibilities and don't just like cut every anything off just because one thing doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I still had a really big testimony in, Um, Jesus Christ and in God and in Joseph Smith and in like the whole church it was just a few things that didn't make sense to me and that just didn't fit in my I don't know in like my puzzle you know so and then that just destroyed everything because I kind of just stopped caring about it as a whole as far as vaping goes I don't know it's hard because you either want to quit or you don't and if you don't want to quit you're not going to be able to quit and most people I think do want to quit they just think that it's really hard and it is really hard but something that I've kind of learned is that if you you won't succeed if you don't even try like even if let's say you try to quit for a week and you go back to it at least you were sober for a week like that's better than not being sober at all because that's something I struggled with a lot was I felt like I couldn't ever be sober of it and I didn't want to even try because I didn't want to feel like fear right right Um, right but like you're not failing because it's some it's it's if you are going from here like from zero to even a tiny bit a step ahead then you're yeah. already progressing and so I think don't let like quitting as a whole scare you away because it's it seems scary to not have it in your life at all you know but like just take it day by day and like yeah no that completely makes sense. I really love that. I know that there are so many youth in the church that struggle with vaping and they struggle Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, all kinds of things. And I was one of those youth, you know, that was me. And I, Mm -hmm. I know that today it's just vaping is so prevalent everywhere. And so anyway, I think your insight is just so valuable. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. You are so amazing, Becca. And Thank you so much for reaching out to me. Your story is so beautiful. And I think the thing that really just like stands out to me is how much God loves you. 
Like he obviously loves you so much and he's so aware of you. Just all the situations and things that happened. Yeah, it was like, and that's something, I think that's the biggest reason why I came back was because I felt so much love from God, from someone I felt like for a while, I didn't really hear a lot from. Looking back at my life and seeing how he had helped me, even when I completely did not really believe in him, was is so cool because, I mean, I know that I couldn't have overcome vaping if it wasn't for him. God loves everyone. That's something right. I think is so important for people to understand is that he loves me, but he also loves like every single other person. And he cares about every single person individually. And it's not like right. a collective. I think that... Uh... The thing that really also stuck out to me was that you were willing to act with faith to say that prayer. It was the first time you prayed in two and a half years. And it was like you taking that step and saying that prayer opened the door for God to meet you on the other side. And so I just love that. And your story is so awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Becca, for coming on the podcast. Yes, you're amazing. Um, You're amazing. This whole podcast is, I love it so much. I. Hey, guys. First off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.